Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray. And make no mistake, this is your source for all things black and gold. Football just wouldn't be football without Berwick Rangers. Stand by for this edition of the Let It BRFC podcast. say podcast. My name's Adam Hunter and I'm joined again by Kevin Haynes. Hello Kevin, how are you? Very well Adam, how are you yourself? I'm good mate, how's your week been? Productive, I've been uh, done a bit in the garden and um, strolled in the schooling and the usual but it's, it's been alright, I'm, I'm not, not been too bored this week. Did Deccan come on Monday? Ah, uh, De- Deccan came on Monday, it's taken me all week to do it like but it's still finished. Oh you've done it? Ah, I've done it, uh, Yano had to come, Yano. Come and give me a couple of cuts with his ripsaw, but I've done the 95% of it, so he'll tell everybody he done it. <laughs> he'll just take all the glory. He'll take all the glory. He's done the last two cuts, that'll be him. Great. Well, we've got three guests today. First up, we've got Nathan Thompson, who's an associate director. Hello, Nathan. How are you? Hello. Very well, thanks. Glad to be here. Good stuff. Uh, we also have Derek Ray, international football commentator. Hello, Derek. Hello, Adam. Nice to be with you all. Uh, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining. And finally, we'll have Eric Tate, top appearance holder and goal scorer in Berwick Rangers history. Hello, Eric. Hi, Adam. You all right? Yes, I am great. Thank you. Quite a good panel we've got today, uh, Kevin. I just loved hearing Derek's voice there. It just, it's <laughs> so recognisable. Eh? Without, without even the face there that we, that we can see, but it's just so recognisable, the voice. Well, that's, that's very kind. You have to look at the face as well, unfortunately, Kevin, so sorry about that. I'm going to put a bit of tape over your face so I can just hear the voice. <laughs> we'll try to do that in the future. <laughs> so we'll start up with Nathan. Uh, Nathan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and some of your background? Yeah, sure. So I've been with the club for a few months, uh, still getting my feet on the table, uh, I guess. But I guess about me more, more generally, uh, I'm 28. That's a kind of obvious one, so... I think I'm the youngest of the board by, by quite a bit. Uh, originally from Berwick, uh, I moved back here four years ago. I lived in Leeds for a bit for university, then moved to Edinburgh for work. Uh, my day job is in financial services with Aegon, so kind of global asset manager, insurer, investment company. Uh, that's been really good. That's really interesting for years. I've been able to work around the world a bit. So I've worked in nine countries and six US states over the last four or five years. So that's, that's been good fun. In terms of domain, and this is kind of where the link to, to Barrett comes, my background is really technology strategy, digital transformation and product development. So I'm hoping to use that to help modernize the club. And we've been doing that a bit over the last few weeks. Uh, and on a personal level, live at home with a uh, partner, Abby. Got a French builder called Herbert. And, and I have a four-month-old baby girl called Luna. So she keeps me busy. Oh, I bet. How's your sleeping? Uh, to be honest, she, she's excellent. We get like from nine till six in the morning. So no complaints. Oh my god! Winning. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than I get. I don't have any kids. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure it'll wear off soon. But the first few months have been alright. Good. How was it that you came involved with the club? As I mentioned, from Berwick, that, that's part of it. I, I was a ball boy when I was like ten or eleven. So I was a ball boy when Rangers came in 2002. So got got on Sky Sports as a, a small thumb thumb in the corner of a, of a screen. So yeah, I was involved then kind of didn't really stay involved as, as I grew up through my teenage years and moved away. And then when I moved back, I was always looking to 
do something extra. So I, I, I love my job, I enjoy what I do, but I was always looking to kind of get more involved in, in something else, whether it be community focused, uh, a way to just kind of give back, I guess. I've, I've been quite fortunate in my career and I want to give others opportunities. And then uh, also good friends of Martin Ingalls who, who works with, with you closely, Adam, on all the media stuff. So Martin and I lived next door to each other for, for years, since we were like five or six through growing up. So we, we had breakfast once a month just to chat. And on the Sunday after, or the Monday, sorry, after a Sunday catch-up when I was asking him what he does at the club, uh, I'd seen the club put on advert for directors. And so I oh, generally think I can help here. I've got a bit of a technology digital background. Maybe there's a chance to, to re- restart some of the initiatives that were that I'd heard were going on. So put an application in and yeah, almost three months later, here we are. Do you know when you were a ball boy um, for the Rangers game? Were you there with Mark Johnson and... John D, because they mentioned that on the podcast when, when they were interviewed. Yeah, so they, they were behind the goal. Uh, I was just up from where the speedway track starts, so just up to the starting line. They were the, the so slightly scary the older boys. A, what's the difference in a, an associate director and a, and a director? What's the difference in the positions? It, it's essentially, uh, for now, a probation period. You know, So right. a, a director, because we're a PLC company, you, you have kind of legal responsibility to the shareholder uh, and to hand out very quickly and early is, is, is a risk that the club shouldn't take. So it's an initial three months kind of uh, does his work for me, does his work for the club. I, I'd like to think that you know, we're, we're coming up to three months and I'd hope people think it is, is working out. So we'll see where that goes. So yeah, I guess in practical, it's a voting thing. You know, if there's any official votes on uh, corporate decisions, you, you don't get an official vote as an associate, but you do as a director. Could you, could you have thought back in that day when you were a ball boy against Rangers that potentially you could have been a director at the club? No, it not even crossed my mind, I guess. No, not at all. So it's, it's, it's really quite fun because, what, it's only 15 years to go full cycle. So, it's, yeah, it's good fun. Looking forward to getting back to that sort of full house on Sky Sports stuff with no pressure, Kev. <clears throat> I don't feel pressure. It's all right. Jano <laughs> <laughs> takes a pressure. Uh, okay, there we go. <laughs> And what's your current roles and responsibilities, Nathan? Uh, so I'm kind of responsible for all things digital. That's a broad and vague term, I guess. But web, social media, uh, I kind of, it's more accountable, more accountable there than responsible. So we're very lucky to have people like yourself, Martin and Dale, who, who do a lot of the, the actual production. But I guess it's working with the board to make sure we have a kind of a strategy and a campaign and we're pushing the right, the right kind of uh, messages out that, that are aligned to the club. Things like other digital enhancements. So we're looking at can we put card machines into the ground? How can we modernize it? Uh, the club shop's going to be announced hopefully in, in a week or two. We'll see how that goes. And that's trying to upgrade our online experience for, for fans to buy replica, replica kit, whether that be an, and training kit and leisure wear and expand our range online. And I guess as things progress, I'd like to, to hope to get involved in technology solutions that help the football operational side of things so you know if, if Karen and Yana want to get into data and analytics I, I'd be keen to, to to kind of help in that space and see how we can mature the, comp- the kind of company and the team both in parallel. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you've done um, is you've introduced the club to, to Derek Ray. How has that come about? Uh, Derek should probably answer that one but I guess uh, I think the first thing to say is that it was a very kind and generous offer from Derek. Uh, I think he realised that the COVID situation is putting a lot of strain on on smaller clubs like ours uh, and someone so influential in, in our game as, as Derek is. It was very kind of him to, to 
put an open offer out to help people. So that's kind of one side of it. And just as I first got in touch with Derek, an old friend and colleague, and ultimately boss of mine, Colin Quinn, dropped me a text to say he, he knew Derek. And I think that, that was, uh, I think he dropped you a text, Derek, and said, uh, trust Nathan, he's not, he's not a complete idiot. It's, it's worth a conversation, I think. So, so that happened. And then uh, yeah, I'll probably let Derek talk about it, but you'd, you, what, I was really proud of the fact you'd already heard of the club. You know, we weren't an anomaly. You, you'd heard of what was going on with the new board through, through one of your friends. So I think it's a, a happy coincidence off the back of a very kind offer, if I would summarize it. Yeah, great. Um, so Derek? You're one of the most famous voices in football. Where will listeners have heard you before? Well, I guess it depends upon how old they are. Uh, Some people might know me from my younger days when I worked for BBC Scotland as a commentator and a presenter on the Sports Sound programme, but also with the fledgling highlights package that was done by BBC and used to often feature Berwick Rangers. So this would be the late 80s. Also for my work with both ESPN and BT Sport in an eight-year period when I came back to Scotland. I'd been away in the USA for the best part of two decades. had a chance to come back and work as uh, the lead commentator for ESPN on Scottish football. And then when ESPN packed up to BT Sport. And of course, we got a couple of Berwick Rangers games in as part of that against Rangers uh, during the time when Rangers were trying to work their way up the divisions. So probably from those days as well, Uh, When I was at ESPN International, I was the main voice of the Champions League for the best part of a decade. Since I moved back to the USA in 2017, after eight brilliant years working in Scottish football, I'm now freelance. So I work on the Bundesliga, often in Germany, commentating on German football, uh, on the Premier League for NBC, the rights holder here in the USA. And younger viewers might know my voice from a certain video game made by EA Sports, uh, FIFA 20. I love it. I love FIFA and I play all the time and it's just really weird for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there are many people at the moment who are playing FIFA more than usual and I wouldn't blame them if they are sick of the sound of the commentators. So we should probably get that out of the way first. (laughs) Not be sick. Uh, One of the games I can play on Twitch, Adam? Uh, You can play it on Twitch, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm not. (laughs) Oh... To give some context to that, I tried to explain what Twitch was to Kevin Haynes um, on a podcast, and it was painful. (laughs) So I didn't realize until I listened to to another one of the podcasts that you did earlier in the week, you did some work with the NFL as well. That's right. Yeah, I didn't get to mention that. This only came up in 2017 when I came back here to the USA, and Prime Video, Amazon, had embarked upon a project that involved showing the NFL around the world. And they had come up with the idea that it would be nice to have a British-sounding commentary team for the NFL. Never really been done before. And they knew that I had a little bit of knowledge of the NFL. I I admitted to them I hadn't worked in the NFL. I'd been away from it for a long time. But they said, no, we'd like that kind of what they described as a Champions League sound on the NFL. So we did it in 2017. It was a new challenge for me, something I was really hoping to take on, you know, something new and different. And uh, we did it in 2018 and again last year. And the rights have been renewed for another couple of years with Prime Video. So, so that has been great fun, as I say, just trying something new. How did you find that? I know you said it was, it was great fun, but was it particularly challenging with it being a sport that you weren't very familiar with? 
Well, it was in the sense that the rhythm of the game is different. So in our sport, obviously, it's a free-flowing game. And as a commentator, you can you know, time your comments accordingly. But if you think about the NFL, you know what it's like? It's really a bit like set play after set play after set play. It's like a series of corners or free kicks, you know, pre-rehearsed <laughs> moves. And everybody knows his responsibility within that pre-rehearsed move. So that's where the dynamic is different. Um, but it is fairly straightforward to, to get that rhythm down. You know, you talk as the commentator when the play is happening and then the co-commentator comes in amid all the replays that follow. So it did take a bit of getting used to, but the, the preparation's the same in terms of how you uh, do the background research on players and all the history and all the news stories. But I, I found it immensely uh, enjoyable to, to be doing this new sport. Presuming that's more difficult in itself, just what you're saying there in, in the research, because the squads are massive compared to a football squad, isn't they? Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, you're, you're, you're doubling your work there, trying to find something about everybody. Yeah, you're looking at, you know, you go to the, to the number 98, 99 in terms of the, the squad numbers that they have. What I learned after a few weeks was I was probably overdoing it on... Um, you know, players who are not in the skill positions, as they say. So you've got your quarterbacks and your running backs and your wide receivers who are the skill guys. And then you've got the, you know, the offensive linemen, as they say, who are, are not involved as much. So I learned fairly early on to kind of prioritize and do a lot more on the, the skill position players and a bit less on the ones who were not likely to talk about as much. It's amazing that, really. And you mentioned about Bundesliga, um, and the fact that you do a lot of work with, with Bundesliga. Now, we know the, that's returning this weekend um, behind closed doors. Have you had much experience in commentating in closed doors games? I have, yeah. A few times when European games have gone ahead and fans have been banned from a particular stadium. I've never actually done it from the stadium, but I've done it off tube with the game being played behind closed doors. And I have to tell you, as a commentator, um, it's awful uh, because, you know, you take for granted normally that you have the crowd to work off. And even if it's only, you know, a few hundred or a thousand people, there's still something to work off there. But when there's no crowd at all, it's just dead, you know. And I think that's the side of, of football that we all love is the fact that it is the people's game. It's a community sport, however big or small the community might be. And when you take that away, it's just different. You know, you hear the shouts of the players. Um, you hear the, the shouts of the managers. It's interesting. In Germany this weekend, one of the team's managers has been talking about changing from um, shouting instructions. Uh, and Kevin and, and Eric will have their own views on this, to using hand signals. So to actually have come up with a, a system of hand signals to tell players what they should be do- doing for fear of giving the game away to the opposition because they could mm. otherwise hear exactly what's being said. Yeah. Interesting. I'd actually thought about what you're saying there. I'd thought about it last night, obviously, yeah. because these games are coming up. And I just presume that every manager is going to have a notepad and there's going to be notes going on to the pitch yeah. constantly, um, which obviously we've seen before. But if somebody's, if somebody's willing to do hand signals and hopefully all the players are on the same page, then it might work. Fingers crossed. That's a difficult <laughs> one, Kevin. Being on the same page. <laughs> Especially players. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, had no chance. I think with um on the podcast too, you mentioned uh, around Liverpool's um, Champions League final and being the best game that you'd ever commentated on. Um, is that is that the case? Is it? 
Yeah, I mean, I was lucky for a period of almost a decade to cover every Champions League final on site for ESPN. So if you think about the, the Champions League finals in the early 2000s, it was that period. And 2005, went to Istanbul. And, you know, Milan at the time were the class of Europe. You know, just think about that team and the players they had. And it's funny to talk about Liverpool then as sort of the, the ultimate underdogs. Nobody had expected them to get to that final, but they had done it. That was the Rafa Benitez Liverpool. They, you know, weren't in the top three teams in England at the time, but somehow got to the Champions League final. And to be 3-0 down after 40-odd minutes and then mm. produce a comeback like that on the biggest stage of all, 3-3, extra time, and then to win on penalties. I remember saying to my producer afterwards, we will never get a final like this again, I don't think, in our lifetime. We're so lucky to have been here to see this because I don't mind telling you at halftime, I was consulting my notes, making sure I had in my brain what the biggest margin of victory was in a European <laughs> final. That's how dominant <laughs> Milan were. That's how bad Liverpool were at the time. And um, lo and behold, you know, it's football. It's why we love it. Probably one of the best headers I've, I've ever saw was Gerrard's in that cup final. I just leaps and, and puts it in. Obviously behind Gary Wood, Kevin Haynes, but... but uh, maybe, maybe it's up there. I don't think there's been many. I can't think of any headers that's been as good as that. And that's including no. Woody, but... What was it like within the ground at, at half-time? Was it a sort of feeling of deflation from the Liverpool fans? Did you, could you sense that from the country? Yeah, in all honesty, we could sense it. Um, I had been in Istanbul for five days, and so I had seen the Liverpool fans out and about. You know, you, if you've ever been to Turkey, to Istanbul, you, you go around in ferries there because of the, the geography of it. So you're on the ferry and the Liverpool fans everywhere, and all they want to do is talk about the game and could they get a ticket. And, you know, they were all so excited. You know, it was a trip of a, a lifetime for, for them. Um, but uh, at halftime, it was dead, and there was a feeling that this is over. And, you know, we've come all this way to Istanbul and we're probably going to have a, a complete dud of a, a second half. How wrong we were. Unbelievable. And then Dudek with his wobbly legs. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, it's funny you say that because I had um, done a lot of homework on Grobelar oh, and oh, going yeah. back to the 1980s. And I remember I was actually in Germany as an exchange student at the time watching that final against Roma. And I remember, you know, reading the Liverpool press on the internet in the build-up to that game and, and talking about, you know, how Liverpool famously didn't practice penalties ahead of that Roma final. So I thought, you know, let's go the extra mile and, uh, and, and you know, just get the context of what's happening if it goes to penalties. Because as a commentator, you've got to be prepared for that eventuality in a big final. And I'm so glad I did all that preparation because we got a great shot from the, the match director and the camera people in Istanbul of of Dudek doing his routine and it just came out on air I said I said you know what I said I think Dudek has been studying a video of the wobbly what did I say the the jelly-legged um, Bruce Grobelar from all those years ago and it's one of the lines I'm most proud of because um, as a commentator you're only as good as your research and, mm -hmm. and being able to find that line at the right time and luckily it came out. Yeah and it's, it's interesting you say about research I, I was reading up on, on yourself before um, we did the podcast and a lot of what was coming out from clubs is the fact that you'll approach them to make sure that you've got the correct um, pronunciation of names um, and you want to make sure that the family would be happy with with the sort of the um, the way that you pronounce a surname or the individual would be happy with a surname. So I think that goes above and beyond, doesn't it? And I think you get more investment from clubs and you, you probably get more access from clubs once you do do that. 
Yeah, and you know, to, to quote a, a, a Borders legend, um, you know, Bill McLaren, you know, the great rugby commentator, uh, you know, he was of the belief that you go the extra mile if you can. And, you know, you should do everything you can to, to have that little line about somebody. And, and it's also wonderfully enjoyable if you have the time to be able to do a bit of digging. And, and I always think that um, it's worth it as a commentator. You talk about pronunciations there. It's worth it as a commentator to get stick from people who say you're saying his name wrong, even though you know that you're saying it right because you've done the research. <clears throat> it's worth it to get that stick to know that there'll be a family member somewhere in a far flung country who's hearing the name pronounced the way they pronounce it. So that's always been my rule going into it. I want it to be authentic for the people who are the players, you know, or, um, you know, the manager or whoever it is, because that's what's important is to, to, um, to be able to reproduce that on the air. Professionalism, Derek. Ho hopefully, Eric, just as you were as a, as a player and as a manager, and I, I've got fond memories of that, which we might talk about in the course of this podcast. Did I read somewhere, Derek, that... The, the reason you went to America was, did you go to America just for the, the World Cup and you've ended up staying there? Is that right? 94? Well, what happened, Kevin, was in, in 1991, I'd sort of come to a bit of a crossroads. I decided that I wanted to try something different. I'm, I'm the, the kind of person who likes new projects every so often just to keep the creative juices flowing. And um, I was quite intrigued by the USA. I'd made some contacts with people who um, were working for the organizing committee. And obviously, if you think back to the early 90s, people weren't really sure about the USA hosting that World Cup. They thought, are they going to be ready? This is not a football country. You know, what's it going to look like? And um, so I, I was able to make those contacts. And it was one of the, the, the guys, the guy who was in charge of the media operation, a guy called Jim Trecker, um, was looking for somebody in Boston to sort of be his, uh, his right-hand man. And um, it turns out it's a small world. When I'd been in Boston on holiday a few years earlier, I'd picked up this book called The Magic of Soccer in a, in a secondhand bookshop in Boston. And it was by a guy called Jerry Trekker. And it turned out that this was Jim Trekker's brother. And I used to, to, to bring Jerry Trekker onto Radio Scotland a lot as a guest to talk about the World Cup and how they were, they were you know, building up to it and all that sort of stuff. And so it turned out that Jim Trekker... Um, asked his brother, Jerry, he said, yeah, what about this guy, Ray? He said, oh, definitely bring him on board. He knows what he's talking about, you know? <laughs> so I think the golden rule is, um, you know, always think about how connections can help. And, you know, you find somebody who, who you like and trust. And, you know, if you do know what you're talking about, then it can, it can you know, be worth its weight in gold. It can help you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, it's, it's true what they say. It's, it's who you know, yeah, it opens doors. Yeah, and that can be down just sometimes to, to being curious and inquisitive about things. And, and I have to say, I, I, this, is the, the great, this is why I'm really proud, and we can get to this, I'm sure, a bit later on, to, to have an association now with Berwick Rangers, because um, I, I got more pleasure from anything during my eight years back working in Scottish football, more pleasure from, than anything, sorry, um, uh, dealing with the smaller clubs when Rangers were down the divisions. And um, I'm very proud of the fact that um, I'm probably the only commentator, along with Ian Crocker of Sky, uh, whose voice will be on all these games from the lower divisions for years and decades to come. Nobody will get that chance again. And it was because Rangers were down the divisions and trying to come up. But I don't mind telling you that for me as a commentator, the attraction wasn't Rangers. The attraction was to be able to tell the stories of Berwick Rangers and Stranraer and Alloa and Stenhouse Muir and Brechin City and up and down Scotland because I grew up at a time in the you know 
early 70s would have been my formative years uh, when I absolutely, you know, lived and breathed Scottish football. And for me, you know, I, 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 I would have been able to tell you an hour after games on a Saturday, I could have memorized what the Montrose score was and what the Albion Rovers score was and, and what the Clyde score was. You know, that's how into Scottish football I was. And I've always thought that the smaller clubs are the lifeblood and they don't get the recognition. They don't get talked about enough. You know, we talk about two big clubs in Glasgow. Yeah, they're huge clubs, of course. A lot of people support them, but there is so much more to Scottish football than that. Definitely. Do you take it? We've been up in the up in the north of Scotland. Was Aberdeen or some of your your team at the, in the seventies? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm an Aberdeen supporter. Um, I, I think it's difficult not to be an Aberdeen supporter when you're from the city. Um, you know, it's it's one club in the city, and of course, I was lucky enough to to grow up at that time when you know Aberdeen were probably the best team in Europe. I was on with Willie Miller doing a podcast just the other day. In fact, he didn't want the probably as part of the discussion at all. He said, we were the best team in Europe in 1983. And you can make a very strong case, you know, when you think about what they did back then. But I grew up in the era of, um, of people like, well, Willie as a player when he was young, Joe Harper, Drew Jarvie, Davey Robb, you know, people like that, Eric, who you'll remember, mm-hmm. uh, Bobby Clark, the goalkeeper, you know, who was also actually one of my teachers um, and, and have fond memories of, of Bobby. Eric, you probably scored on him. Oh, probably. <laughs> I was thinking of that team that uh, Derek's talking about when Fergie was a manager. We played yeah. uh, Aberdeen at Pedodri. Yep. And uh, Leighton was a keeper, McLeish and Miller, Gordon Strachan, Rugby, you know, Blackie, you, you go through the whole team. And that was the, that season they went on to win the, the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, and, and, you know, the thing for me is, and I, I say we were doing just a, a, a programme last week with Willie Miller, Neil Simpson, Eric Black, and John Hewitt. And it was looking back at Gothenburg, Aberdeen winning the Cup Winners' Cup. And it really brought home to me as an Aberdonian just how much the community aspect is still important. You know, we're all part of a community. And um, as an Aberdonian, that resonated with me as a, as a 16-year-old at the time. Uh, you know, that the importance of it and, you know, winning a European trophy. I mean, goodness gracious me, thinking about that now. But it doesn't have to be a European trophy. It can be anything. You know, as long as the community is there for a football club and it's a two-way street. And, and you know, that's really why I was very attracted to the idea when Nathan got in touch and suggested this idea of having some sort of relationship with a, a club that's been around forever. You know, certainly as long as I've been following football. <clears throat> I will say as well, when I was young, it was quite funny. Um, at school, we were all football daft at school. And um, my friends at school used to say, you should, really be, you should really be a Berwick Rangers fan, shouldn't you? I mean, Derek Ray, Berwick <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> you know? so, so there was always that at the back of my mind. That'll be in a banner before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I haven't come up with that already. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but I, I, funnily enough, and Nathan touched on this, I've actually kept in touch with Berwick in a way I haven't with other clubs. And it's because I live here in, in Boston or just to the north of Boston in the USA in Massachusetts. And um, one of my friends here, and he's been a friend for 20 years, is actually a guy called Keith Donaldson who hails from Eyemouth. And uh, Keith was a, a very good rugby player in his youth. Also tells me he had a trial with Berwick Rangers, but the trial didn't go so well. So, you know, shame about that. But he's always been a huge Berwick Rangers fan. And he's forever telling me, oh, yeah, Berwick are doing this. And, and he had told me, yeah, they've got big plans. 
uh, new people on the boards. So I was aware of that. And, uh, and Keith, you know, will continue to keep me abreast of things anyway. Um, so uh, when Nathan got in touch and, and Gary Burns as well on, on social media, and you mentioned the Colin Quinn connection, um, I, I was intrigued because, as I say, Berwick means something to me. You know, it, it, it stands for uniqueness. I mean, Berwick Rangers Football Club, a team in England, but part of the Scottish setup and, and certainly always part of the Scottish setup and responsible for the biggest upset in the history of the Scottish Cup and, you know, colours that are immediately identifiable. And, and I loved my two games at to Shieldfield with BT Sport when we got to cover the, uh, the two matches involving Rangers and being able to, to put those stories out on the air and a few other ones. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting project for me. Derek, that game Rangers will be the biggest upset in Scottish football ever. Yeah. Because there was such a massive gap then. I mean, the gap's not so big now, but the gap then was... Horrific gap, you know, and no one ever had dreamt that, Berwick, that the wee Rangers would beat the mighty Rangers. Uh, having be, been at the game myself as a 15-year-old boy standing there in, in the ducket watching that game, um, mad Berwick Rangers fan for five years as a boy. But that game will, in history, will never be beat that. No, I, I think it's true, Eric. And, and you know, I, I would love to, I don't know how we could ever pull this off. I, I, to me, it's the sort of thing that, would make a, a movie someday. You know, someday yes. you could make a movie about it because it's such a romantic story. And it's the one thing I'm always a bit envious uh, when I cover the FA Cup in England and talking to colleagues in England because, you know, they've all grown up with these great stories of FA Cup upsets and the magic of the cup. And maybe it's diminished a little bit in recent years. You could say maybe it has. Um, but in Scotland, we don't, when we think about the Scottish Cup, I don't think we talk enough about that surprise factor. And we should celebrate 1967 and, and oh. Berwick Rangers and the Wee Rangers beating the Big Rangers because it's just an amazing story. Yeah, and could have been more on the day. Yeah, I've it, heard that. Yeah. Big, oh, yeah, no question yeah. about it. Berwick had the best chances of the game. Yeah, but anyway, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's history, which is great. Will we see you back to back at Shieldfield anytime soon, Derek? Well, I hope so, Kevin. Uh, Nathan has said any time I can make it, then I'd be welcome, and, and I would love that. Um, I think the problem is going to just be the, the travel issue for a while, and, and I spend a lot of my life traveling, but goodness knows you know, what that is going to be like for the next few months and even into next year. But um, rest assured, if we do get back to a situation where traveling is a bit more straightforward, then count me in. I, I would love to be back. I would love to, to see a game you know, in a different capacity. Yeah, it'd be good to see you, Derek. I love your enthusiasm, Derek. I think your enthusiasm with your talking is fantastic. No, well, well, well thank you, Eric. I, I was going to say, um, just going back to the story about you from earlier, one of the, the roles I used to have on the radio was as the presenter of the Sports Sound programme on BBC Radio Scotland. And uh, we used to have a, a setup where we would give updates. We wouldn't have reporters at, at the grounds in the lower divisions, but we would always give updates and, you know, if there was a goal had gone in and everything. And um, we used to have this kind of standing joke for a while uh, when I was with the, the guy who was my assistant in the studio. And, you know, I would hear in my headphones, goal for Berwick Rangers. And I would immediately say, let me guess, Eric Tate? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, so it was always Eric Tate. And of that's course, uh, yeah. <laughs> but we did um, cover a lot of those games, you yes. know, early, during that, that highlights package, which again, I loved because at the time, the smaller clubs weren't getting that sort of coverage. And I'll tell you, it was a bit rough and ready. We had a studio in Glasgow and these tapes would be, 
sent in by motorcycle, they'd often come in at the last minute. And mm -hmm. my only resources in those days really were the Glasgow evening paper and the, Ever and the Edinburgh evening paper. And so yeah. you're quickly sort of scanning, right, okay, who passed to whom, right? How did that come about? And I'm sure we occasionally got things wrong, but it was just such a treat to be able to put these lower division games on television, even just for a minute's highlights. It's baffling how times have changed, isn't it? Because, um, Eric, you do the stats now for Opera, right? Yeah. It's instant. Yeah. You're on the phone and, and you, um, you're sort of getting that through, through instantly, whereas having to wait for a motorcycle, like, that's, that's madness. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's amazing. And, and, I mean, I love, I love doing what I do on a Saturdays, to be honest with you, because, because it's football. Simple mm. as. And it's Scottish football most of the time. I know I do Newcastle on that now and again, but, you know, um, doing Scottish football is what I was about. So I love going to Annan or, you know, I've been at Annan lots of times this last season. Uh, it keeps you in the game that I was in, if you know what I mean. Much prefer Scottish football because you was in it rather than watching an English game. It's more me. And you, more, you obviously come across people you knew you know, or you know. Um, it's just, just really enjoy it. Adam? Would you, do you still enjoy the game as you would as a spectator? Or are you not getting to enjoy the game because you're watching stuff or watching particular stuff? Or I think you still enjoy the game to a degree, Kevin, but you've got to be on toes, so to speak. You know, um, you can't get anything wrong. You've got to be right 100%, and if you're not sure, you can't say. And it does have you think, oh, like for a yellow card for someone's example. The referees, you know, turn six players stand there and he goes, Say it's Adam Hunter because you're not sure. You've got to go and see the officials after the game and confirm the bookings. Um, because, as you probably know, uh, stats is in these days. I'm not a gambler at all, but stats these days is massive in gambling and football, in any sport. Yeah, it is. Do you think that's what? Do you think that's what this is geared geared up for? So, do you think your your job is primarily for the gambling or for the bookies or? Um, or is it football? I think it's related? I think it's more football related, but it obviously goes out worldwide. You know, as soon as you get the the team on a Saturday, that's gone out, fired out straight away on your phones or wherever it goes all over the world. And I think it's it's an amazing thing that people are getting instant, whatever it is. You know, teams. I mean, we all do it. You look at a team on a Saturday, and it's somebody like myself that's put it out there. Um, you know, when Berwick team comes up, or well, when they're in the league, obviously, you came up and you read the team out and you say, Yeah, well, he's playing. I don't know why he's playing, but you know, you, you have your opinions. Um, but it's the same with every team. But no, I enjoy it. It's good. It's good. But um, it's not as good as playing. Nothing is, is it? No, nothing like it. Nothing never, like it. You'll, all... you'll never ever get the, the buzz from a game no. of football once you stop playing. Oh, you're, not, you're not Kevin. I mean, the best days of your life are when you're playing football at the moment. You know, he's big into his football, as Adam knows Ben really well. And uh, he plays for a college team. And I, I keep saying, stick in because it's the best days of your life, mate. And you, as we're all younger, you don't appreciate no. it. And as you get older, I wish I could go back now and start playing football, you know, um, because the time goes so quick. So it's, it's like life. You've got to enjoy it when it's there. I make most of it. Is it the same uh, for you? Do you, not, do you not get the same sort of a feeling coaching a team and putting a team together um, as you would playing? 
Nah, it's totally different. It's it's more nervous being a being a coach or on the management side because once the players go over that line, you, you effectively well you can't affect the game. It's it's up to the players to affect the game. Um, you can't control the decisions they're making, but when you're playing and you make a decision on the park that turns out to be the right decision, what a buzz you can get for that. You know, whether it be a goal or whether it be a save or a tackle or whatever it might be, you get that buzz because you've made that correct decision and it it doesn't feel the same when you're when you're on the other side of the, the white line. But I'm I'm not saying it, it's not enjoyable and you don't get a you, you do get a buzz from, from coaching or from managing, but it's just not the same. Definitely not. There's nothing better than playing. Can't be there. The camaraderie and everything after the game and the band, I mean, it's just, although it's changed since I played, but I think you're right, Kevin, you kind of beat it. Are you joking, Eric? You get to talk to me after a game? <laughs> I wasn't about back then. You're all getting gassed in the train on the way home, you lot. <laughs> Adam, can I just come in and just say to Nathan, when he mentioned about uh, Martin Ingalls and all the lads that I know, Nathan, um, when... When all you lads, uh, I didn't know yourself at the time, when Martin and uh, Matty Moore and all the lads, all the young lads from the supporters club and what have you, came into the club. And for me personally, it's great to see because it's given the club a new lease of life. And I think most people see that, that the young people have come on board and they're doing a great job um, working hard for the, for the club. And at the end of the day, as I keep saying to everybody, like myself, like Adam, like Kevin, it doesn't matter if you've played for them or not, you're a Berry Rangers fan. Derek, you know, you're, you're a Berry Rangers fan. And if that's your club, that's the team you should buy. You know, as Adam knows, a guy came up from Redcar with us in the train, didn't he, Adam? Guy from Ashton every Saturday. Wasn't that Bill from Ashton? And Morpeth. George, George from Stanley there. For me, that came and supported the club. And that, I admire people like that. No, it's good. Our reach is growing. Uh, uh, we've done some work recently looking at our kind of online orders and our fan base and our demographics of our followers across social. And it's really, it's really far and wide. You know, we've got, we sent an order to Egypt fairly recently from the club shop. Uh, Derek's mentioned the US. After the UK, the US is our most sought after population for for rugby shirts and stuff. Uh, We had a through the Twitch stuff that I know Kev's a big fan of. We had a guy from Brazil get in touch and say, I'm now a big fan of Eric Rangers, can I have a shirt? So it's just a, I say little club, but we aren't we aren't little in terms of uh, reach and outreach. But we're a little town, little town in northeast England. It's quite a phenomenal reach we've got. With a, in terms of actual followers and and people you can count on social channels, we're the top of our league by by quite a distance. So we we've got a loyal fan base, uh, and uh, I think it's down to the bit Derek mentioned. It. The, the uniqueness of Berwick is quite special. The the, the only English club in Scotland is quite cool, and I think we need to play on that a, a bit a bit a bit more and. It's a challenge. You don't want to. You don't want to kind of upset our Scottish fans by by ignoring England. But you know, there's definitely a balance to be had there. But if we can maximise that, you know, the exactly what Eric just said that we've got people from Newcastle and beyond who can come up to watch the games and equally Edinburgh down. So it's a unique little town with a hopefully a great a great club and a great passion for it. Well, we we know a guy who comes up from London every now and again, doesn't he, Adam? Lindsay. Yeah, they, they come up on a regular basis. Always have done from London. You know, even after Berwick went up the league, they still come up and support the team, which is uh, which is fantastic, really. Like. And it goes back to what Derek was saying earlier. The the reason why was the 
the young Christopher, um, he saw that Berwick were the only English team that was playing in Scotland. Um, mm-hmm. And he sort of fell in love with the notion of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what drove them in order to come through. And, and we'll get a lot of that, like when you look at club. 42 or Club 93 as it is for for England. Um, we do get a lot of sort of ground top as that do come um, for a day out. And the thing is as well, Adam, that Shieldfield Park is one of the best grounds in Scottish football. The pitch itself has always been a fantastic pitch. People wanted to come and play at Berwick because of the surface. You know, even when you had pre-season games, you've got Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Carlisle, Hearts, Hibs. You know, all the teams were wanting to come because they knew the facilities were good. Mm-hmm. And, that and then they realised there's that big hill on it. Everybody says that, Kevin. I never ever found that, to be honest. With you. I kind of get away with that. But I know there's a slope, but I don't think it was that much. I hate you'd gone up that hill. Did you? I was like, getting to the, to, well, we used to call it the railway end because that's where the railway was. Yeah. But we used to like getting to the railway end. But. Uh, if you went in nil nil at half time, you think, oh, we're kicking up the hill. You thought, we'll win the second half here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, it's been 50 years since you made your debut for the club. How do you celebrate that? Um, well, I must admit, Adam, um, it was quite an emotional day um, for myself personally. Um, all my family and friends and I, we all booked uh, the club out and we all went up and had a um, fantastic day up there. Um, I think it was about the 28th of January, uh, as it fell, you know, there's a Saturday. And uh, we just had a really, really good day. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing, to be honest with you, because Berwick has been my club, always will be, uh, no matter, not because of what I'd done at the club, because for me, I was just a local lad at Cornhill and Tweed, 13 miles along the road there next to Coldstream. And uh, I was lucky. I got a trial at Alloa uh, from Coldstream and uh, we got beat 3-1 up at Alloa. I scored the goal. And as loads of people know, some people might not know, I signed the next day. Uh, Harry Melrose was the manager, player manager at the time. Harry Patterson was the chairman. Um, and they came to Coldstream in the pub, the Newcastle Arms at Coldstream, in this little office. And uh, they wanted to sign us, which I, because I had supported them from 11 to 16, never missed, never missed a home game at Berwick. And... Uh, they haggled over the transfer fee, which you, you'll know because I've told you the story before. But John Scott, the secretary of Coldstream, says, well, how much Coldstream football club are going to get? And uh, no, no, we just, we just want to sign Eric, you know. And no, 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 no deal, no deal. So they said, we'll give you 50 quid in a match ball then. So John Scott still sat there and went, nah, no deal. And then Harry Patterson, I have one of Harry's, said, we'll give you 50 quid in 20 footballs. He went, Deal. <laughs> so, I often look back and think, and to myself, twenty years nearly at Berwick Rangers, and I, you know, obviously, I'm, and I'm not bragging, but scoring the most goals, playing the most games, which I was lucky. You know, that's the way it was. That's what happened. A local lad. Um, I just think fifty pound two footballs in the modern day. Be worth millions. Three balls, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be worth millions, Derek, in the modern day. <laughs> oh, undoubtedly. I, I've actually got a question for you, Eric, because yep. um, one of the things that used to attract me to Berwick Rangers when I was younger um, was my father telling me about Dave Smith and what a good oh. footballer he was. And obviously, he was from my part of Scotland as well. 
What did you as a footballer learn from Dave Smith? What, what can you tell us about what he was like as a manager? I like the cards. Um, <laughs> and the bus. Anyhow, um, what I can tell you about Dave Smith is he was the best player that ever played for Berry Rangers mm. by, a long, by a long way. Nobody will ever do what he'd done as a player. Yep. And probably as well as uh, I maybe he's had my best days under Dave Smith because when he got the ball, Derek, you just ran to where you thought you'd at the goal and the ball would just come in your, in your path mm-hmm. as you ran, like didn't break your stride or nothing like that. The only thing he used to do was in our six-yard box, he would take three and four players on in our six-yard box with his left foot, as you know, the big left beggar. Never headed the ball, never used his right foot. Um, and also what I can remember him, I think it was uh, Los Angeles, he came from Tiberic and he wore white football boots. I know nowadays it's whatever, but white football boots was never heard of. And he also wore the number 13, which was never heard of. Yeah. One to 11, and I think it was probably two subs at the time. Um, but that's what he did. And also in training, we played football. He never, ever talked, because Willie Matheson was with him. Remember Willie X-Rangers? Yep. So Willie was with him, and they never talked tactics. We just played football, and uh, you just take, say, go and enjoy your game. And obviously, we had good players in the team. I must say, we had that team, I will always say, 78-79 was the best team back Rangers ever had. Um, that team, you know, Gordon Smith, Jim Morton, he was, we got a, pen, a free kick outside the box. We played, it's only we did play for free kicks outside the box because it was like getting a penalty and Jim Morton took to his left foot. It was like getting a penalty. You, you know, Derek, you just, we knew he was going to score. But we did have some good players, man. You know, and everyone responded around Dave. He was just a top dog. Never, ever, the best motivator guy going on from that was Frank Connor. Yeah, d- different sort of manager, I would imagine, Frank. Oh, totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Uh, Frank could have you 10 foot tall going out that tunnel. <laughs> I remember him, yeah. <laughs> oh, I used to say to his wife, does he talk football all night? I bet. I don't think Frank ever slept at all. Derek, he was that great guy. But oh, yeah. Frank had you up there when you went out that tunnel. Like, you know, I remember one day he used to get on his knees and he used to go goalkeeper, right back, left back, whatever it was. And he came to Davy Moyes, Moisey from Tonent, Davy Moyes, not the big Davy Moyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember a lad called Davy Moyes at the time, and he's told them, he says, right, he says, this lad, I've got the day against your mind, Moisey. He's fucking tricky, he's yes, he's that, he's the other. He says, don't let him out down the outside, get him inside, you know. And Moisey used to take his two front teeth out, Derek, before he played, put them in his pocket. He had a, a big fizzy haircut. <laughs> and uh, Frank came to him, he says, that's what you want you to do. I told you I want to do. Take his teeth out in the pocket. And he says, right, Moisey, you understand what I want you to do? And Moisey just turned around and he looked at him, that vague look he had, and he went, aye, boss, but what's he like when he's fucking limping? <laughs> Moisey was just going to go and clatter on the first title. And that's what Moisey did. We had we had Davey Moisey in that team, and he, what a player he was to have in the yeah. weekly. And they were just Callum Fame, the goalkeeper, and... Yeah, you know Gordon Ling, Ian McLeod. You go through them all. They're good lads, good lads. Yeah, no, great memories. Oh, the world, Derek. Yeah. Sorry, I've on. 
It's all right. Was that the best sort of memories that you had from the club, Eric? Uh, that was the best. That was the best. I've, yeah, I mean, playing. I mean, going to play at Ibrox and Parkhead and like Derek seeing up at Padodri and you know Easter Road. You know, playing Hibs when Bestie was there and you know all these things. You know, Motherwell and McClare was at Motherwell and you know all these guys. They're just great, great <coughs> memories. Uh, but good memories, all good, all good. Who uh, would have been your, your best opposite player then, Eric? Hardest, hardest opposition. Uh, well, we played um, Rangers Ibrox. They used to have a competition called the Driver Cup. Can you remember that, Derry? Yep, summer, summer Cup, yeah, before the season yeah. started, yeah. And it was for the teams that scored the most goals in the leagues. Yeah. that right, Derek? And yeah. uh, we played Rangers at Ibrox and like Tom Forsyth and all these boys. Oh, big, big, hard, bloody international players like. There were some great players about at the time, like Sandy John Gregg. John Gregg would have been part of that team, John Sandy Gregg, as well. Yeah. You know, all these players have just. And on that night, we had a guy called Stuart Romanus, played for Berwick Rangers. And some of the Rangers boys were saying to me, when come up, who's your number six? Because he was the best player in the park, Stuart Romanus. Yeah. Um, he got our tran- when I was playing manager, I transferred him to Falkirk to go in the Premier League. Uh, so he went up and played in the Premier League for Falkirk, Brockville. Yeah, but he's, yep. he was one of them lads. He didn't say a boo to a mouse off the pitch. He was as fit as a lop. But see, when he went across that line, red rag table. Brilliant. <laughs> nobody, nobody took a living of him. He was really, really class. Class player. But we've had loads of class players over the years. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, Kevin, when they got promoted, he'll, he'll be like me. He'll, you know, have thoughts of lads that played yeah. with him. And, you know, that's. That's what football's about, isn't it? It's about all one mates, all the, the great memories you have, and that's how you kick on in your life with, and you get to know other people through it. And, and it's me- different, as, different as well, Eric, because what what you might say as a, a great player that was in your team, Adam might not recognise that because Adam didn't know the the work that that player done for you or beside you or with you. You know, they, they didn't always see the the, or they don't get the benefit that you get because you're actually playing with that player. You know, you, all, you always seem to think someone's better when you're playing with them than, than people recognise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know you know what you put into the game all week before the Saturday, don't you? And it, it takes, it takes. I don't know, I mean, you, you get players alongside you that you get on well with, you know, and that maximises your you play on the pitch. I think uh, having a relationship with people, uh, you know, you get on together, you go out together and all that sort of thing. And yeah. you get the players that will just run through a wall for you because they know what type of person you are and what, what your ambition is at the end, <coughs> what you want at the end of the game. I think that's, that's still first, you know, people have they've got to be the right people eh, before, the, before they are the right player. You know what I mean? It's got to be the right yeah. person. Mm-hmm. Attitude's the biggest thing in any sport. Is that right, Derek? Well, certainly the managers I've talked to, and I always find it really fascinating to sit down with managers for a while. And um, the the attitude, I think, is absolutely spot on. And it's how you, as a manager, how you convey that to players. You know, and, you know, Fergie, for example, um, you know, when, when you look at what he's done over the years, I always think psychology is a big part of it. And, oh, and he, 
he, you know, I was thinking somebody like that, had he not been a football manager, he could have been anything else he wanted to be. You know, he could have been a lawyer, he could have been a teacher, it could have been anything because, it, because he had such an understanding of, of human nature and how people respond to that, you know. And, um, you know, the same with a lot of the other, you know, like at Klopp in, in, in England, at Liverpool, the same, same kind of thing. You know, he understands in a different way um, from somebody like Fergie how, how people respond. But, um, but yeah. He's loved. He's loved, isn't he? Derek, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? The Absolutely. guy's loved. Yep. I mean, how would, Kevin, how would you like to play for Klopp? Be, you'd just love to do that, wouldn't you? No, you would. You would. And <clears throat> you do. You get, a, you, you get that impression through the television or, or through just listening to them that they'd be good to play for. Derek, when you're about Scottish football, I must tell you that I, the worst day ever I played in football was at Mewton at Perth. Yep. It was snow, rain, hail, whatever, wind... And the pitch was an absolute mud bath, and we got beat 5-2. McCoyce got four for St. Johnston. I got buried, whatever. Um, oh, just drop that one in, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think McCoyce, for example, he was a prime example in Scottish football. Yep. What an example that boy was. I think about two weeks after we played them, he went to Sunderland. Yep. Same for them. And then come back, obviously, and we we'll all know what he'd done in, in football in Scotland and that. And I just think he, because he was bubbly, he was that type of guy and his attitude and that. And I think that's really why you'll get on well in, in anything because the more you put into it, it's like yourself, Derek, where you're commentating and all that. You know, you do your homework. The more you put into it, you'll get results. Yeah, no, I think it's true in life generally. The more you put into anything, I will say that to young, you know, aspiring journalists and commentators. They will say, what's the one bit of advice that you would give? I will say, put everything into it and find something that is you, you know, find something mm -hmm. that defines you, that, mm -hmm. that makes you different from everyone yeah. else, you know, find that one little thing that, you know, maybe it's a bit of knowledge, maybe it's, you know, it could be yeah. anything, personality mm -hmm. trait, you know, use that to your advantage yeah. and, uh, uh, and, and give it a go on that basis. Yeah, I hundred percent. I totally agree. That's uh, I look. I take a, you know, a, a, any young kid that wants to, I will say, well, you'll get out. Of, you'll get out of it what you put into it. Yep. No question yep. about that. <clears throat> With the attitude. We had a uh, John Coughlin on here, who was the manager of. Kevin Haynes' team when we got promoted um, and he yeah. said it was a bit difficult with um, players nowadays um, back then it was more players were wanting to be footballers and that was the goal it was it was less about money and and all that sort of stuff whereas now it's it's whoever pays the most is is effectively who's who they're going to sign for um, do you think that's the case Eric? I think he's probably right to be honest with you I mean I mean when I, I played uh, Adam when I signed for Berwick I was never interested. Along with everybody else, mind, we weren't interested in money at all. In fact, we knew very little about it. All we wanted to do with the massive passion and 100% was play football for Berwick Rangers. Um, and obviously money now is, well, that's what it's about, isn't it? Unfortunately, it's all about money. And I can remember saying Bobby Flavel from Hibs and uh, Derek Roger and people like that. And... Uh, they came and, and when I was playing manager, they came and asked for money, you know, and what they were asking for at the time, I was flabbergasted because I couldn't believe what they were asking for, but money was beginning to come into the game. And uh, I eventually signed them both, you know, but because it was hard for me to accept because I was a guy that played, you know, I played for, if I won, I got 30 quid. 
But I wasn't, as I say, I wasn't interested in money. I just wanted to play for Berwick Rangers because that, being a <clears> local <throat> lad, was my club. Yeah. Um, but and and when they did ask for money, I used to get a wee bit upset because I used to think I didn't want you to play for money. I just wanted you to come and play for Berwick Rangers and feel I wanted them to feel Adam how I felt. But I couldn't put that into them because it was a different. The game was changing. <clears throat> yeah, I'd you love know, that to be the. The, the way forward I'd love in the town I think we've got some work to go to make uh, people feel that passion and say you know the ultimate goal for a local footballer should, should be playing Berwick that'd be great that would be that would be I've just been watching the the English game I don't know if anybody's watched that yeah See. and obviously you know what that's about and uh, you know how, how football started and down in England and then the, the two guys come from party to Lan- uh, Lancashire and you know and signed for the mill the mill team and they started to get paid, Derek. That was how it all kicked in, and it was an amazing. Uh, I loved watching that because it was a, it was just really, really good. To, and the knowledge of how, and it was a true story how football started when <coughs> players were beginning to get money, it went, yep. and then the other the other players found out that they were getting money and was hell on. You know, it was just really good. Yeah, it was very well made the English game, and uh, you know, it, it's interesting here in the USA. I've, I've bumped into a few people not bumped in in person uh, but virtually yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the moment given what's going on um who have said that you know they really found that it helped them understand a bit more the dynamics of um of working class football you know which is which is what really where the story starts doesn't it that's where the story begins have you seen that kevin yes i watched kevin. that good no I did watch. it was good i enjoyed that i did enjoy that and um you can kind of i've worked at, at um you know, the junior football and, and whatever, you know, this mm. side. And mm. you can kind of relate to it because there's there's guys that are, are getting nothing and they're playing and then all of a sudden one player comes and he's getting 30, 40 quid more than it, and it causes that wee bit unrest um, within a changing room because players talk, you know what I mean? Players talk and, then, oh, yes. and if there's somebody that's getting a fiver more than somebody else, it, it's... It, it can upset a, a changing room, so I can relate to the the program and you know how people were were upset that two guys were getting paid and the rest weren't they? And um, but no, it was it was well it was well made, like Derek saying it was you know oh, you probably you probably remember we'd been there at the time, Eric, but it's probably a true reflection <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I didn't have a moustache, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I pulled the blonde bird though. <laughs> so moving to the club ambassador role uh, in, in that case and, and Nathan I'll, I'll ask you first what, what does the role mean? Uh, I think the first thing to say is it, it's a really important and, and valued role for, for us as, as a group and also it's safe for people who are well respected for their work with the club you know in Eric's case the club legend uh, but also in, in the industry as a whole which is where Derek plays an important part it, and in terms of what I think practically the, the, that role does and what those people can help us do, it's someone who embodies our values and helps us raise our profile. You know, we, we, we're lucky that we have the internet these days and we, we, we can reach uh, all sorts of doors. But it's about open opportunities. You know, Derek mentioned a movie. I'll, I'll be giving you a call on that later on. That sounds interesting. You know, <laughs> Go so for it, it, It's those sort of things, right? It's, like, it's opening doors, isn't it? It's seeing how can, how can people use the, net, the networks. Eric mentioned it. It's who you know. And, how do you? How do we all help each other become uh, become the best asset for our for our town, and our community? 
there's obviously uh, more kind of uh, tangible things like sponsorship and fundraising. Like Eric's done a lot of work for the club over the over the years to help raise money, which which is hugely appreciated, and that that always helps. But yeah, fundamentally, it's it's about having someone who is well respected for what they do, who embodies the same values that, that we all share as a club, uh, and helps us achieve our, our goals. Uh, for which I guess to both of you guys are very grateful for, for all your efforts. So thank you. Yeah. I, th- I think it's vital, Nathan, that everybody pulls in the same direction for Berwick Rangers Football Club. And maybe, you know, I don't want to go into it too much, but maybe over the last few years, maybe everyone hasn't been pulling. And that's why mm-hmm. I said to you that your young lads coming in, they're enthusiastic. It's brilliant to see, um, you know, because when I go to Berwick and, and, you know, I might see somebody with a Berwick Rangers scarf on, I'll go and speak to them and, They'll say I'm from Bristol and now they're sitting with two boys or whatever. And I'll say, look, do you want to come and go on the pitch? And, you know, that sort of thing. Because I always say when I've been there that I want people going away from Berwick Rangers Football Club saying, what a great club that is. I can echo that. So I regularly travel with Eric on the train uh, and it takes us about 40 minutes to walk up the high street because he stops and talks to everyone on the way. <laughs> That's what happens uh, when you're a local hero, you know? There's, there's, uh, there's no escape, there's no hiding places. Not many, there's a few of them disappearing though, Derry, because not many people know us up there now. <laughs> uh, time's going on, you know. That's ah, good, you- it's all good. It's all good stuff. <laughs> I, mean, I think the more people talk about Berry Rangers, they're not talking about someone else. And you did that yeah. me first, Eric, actually, because we were in the Brewers and you saw the scoff and you came and you stood and talked to us 15, 20 minutes, give us your time. Obviously, I knew who you were, um, but you, you didn't have to. No, well, I, I, I'll, I'm that type of guy, to be honest with Adam, you know. Um, it, it doesn't matter who it is. I just like socially, you know, having a bit crack with people. And like Derek would just mentioned it before, you, you met someone that was involved in your work and what have you. Yeah. And it's amazing when you talk to people that know somebody else, that know somebody else, that know somebody else. And that is, that's the best way to network that you can do. It's blown my mind. If I, if I think uh, three months ago, I had nothing to do with the club. And we're now sitting here chatting to Derek Ray and Eric Tate, right? This for me, uh, to Kevin's point earlier, 15 years ago, I was a ball boy who and then left Berwick. It's just, yeah, it, it's mad who you find out, who knows people. And, and I mentioned this in a podcast I did earlier last, uh, later in the week, sorry, earlier in the week, sorry. Uh, it's people I've found are really helpful. They just want to be friendly and helpful and, and, and help move us in the right direction. So that's that's not something I'd seen in the town as a, in general historically in, in the four or five years I've been back. But in, in the, certainly since kind of January, it feels like people have got behind the club uh, and we're all kind of driving behind this new goals, uh, new deck and new goals, new Barrack Rangers message, and we're we're pushing forward and people buy into it. So. Really appreciate all of the uh, the support and doing that. It's, well, we is that a bit awkward? The fact that he's left me and you out with that, Kev. He said sitting on a podcast with Derek Ray and Eric Tate. <laughs> <laughs> Good lad, Nathan. <laughs> it's understandable, Adam. If Kevin gets us promoted, I'll, I'll uh, put that. We'll add that back in. <laughs> he has once. You want me to win another league? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please and the playoffs. I, th- I think. Um, when you're on about that, Nathan, I must say that um, I did fear for Berry Rangers when they went out of the league, the way things were going. Um, but, uh, 
you know, since the new people have come in, I've got totally different thoughts about the club now. Um, it's back to what it used to be. Everybody's loving it. That goes to the game. They've got Robert back on the door. Robert Johnson. Um, it's got a bit of buzz about it. When I was up the last few games, I can get to because I'm a bit limited to some games. Yeah, I would like to go every game. Obviously, I'm doing the stats at other games, but I think it's great uh, to have certain people around again because they were the people that made the club, you know, and they were the people that welcomed people. Um, and the first, I will mention Robert because I think it's like you go into a shop, you go into a pub, you go wherever you go. The first point of contact, you kind of judge, you're having an opinion on what the place is like. And having Robert back in the door, I mean, Robert was tremendous at his job, or is tremendous at his job. And uh, he almost sells the club at the door before you get in, you know? And that's what you need. You need all of us. I mean, we're all the same. All of us here tonight, we're all wanting the same thing. We all want Berwick Rangers to be a great club. And at the moment, I mean, I didn't talk about um, people say to me, oh, Berwick need to go straight back. And that. well, Berwick were never going to go straight back. It was an impossible challenge they had ahead of them. Um, but it was, will Berry Rangers survive? That was the question. No doubt about it, that was the question. And and they have survived. And the people and uh, that are donating and getting involved, like you said, sponsorship and that, um, that's it's massive for the town, it's massive for the club, because people in the town um, thought they would lose a lot of income because Berry Rangers does bring income into the town. There's no question about that. So it's great to have the buzz back again. And I only think the club will go up from here. I think a, a massive part of what you're saying, Nathan, about the, you know, the buzz being back in the town and stuff, I personally think a lot of it's the, the social media side of it. Um, <clears throat> because the social media side has been so, so positive that it's engaging everybody. And, it, and it's hooking everybody in. Um, you know, I have conversations with people that are that are saying, you know, it seems to be everywhere, but it's not quite in people's faces. You know, it's it's not putting people off. It's just it's good content and it's and it's quality stuff. So I think the social media side has been has been massive and and drawing that or, or getting that buzz back and getting people interested. Yeah, I think that's really important. Dale Jones is a. Dale Jones and Martin and Adam are a key parts of that, along with with Craig and Dave, the directors. But Dale Dale's excellent because he he is so passionate about every post having a purpose. He he's not up for it. If, if it's just to share that, do that, he's like, no, why are we doing that? Let's make sure it has value, and that's absolutely the right measure. And you know that that kind of uh, praise you've given is testament to, to that that sense check. Always make sure we add value. Uh, and for me, that's really important because uh, and you guys are, as ex-players may, may disagree. I don't think the club's just about 90 minutes on the pitch. For me, it's about overall fan, fan engagement and fan experience uh, and what we try to do over the weeks is to have meaningful and interesting ways to engage with the club even when there's no football. You know, it's been, what, eight weeks or so, maybe more now, at least count of no football, but it still feels like we're moving forward uh, and that in itself uh, I'm really proud of. Yeah, I must admit that even people, uh, Kevin, you're right about the social media stuff. That's the biggest thing at the moment, I would say, because it's so many people, I'm not a big into social media because of my age and all that sort of thing, but I do look at it through Ben, my boy here, and my wife and I, I'll say, go on such and such on the shows. And people outside the club, even where I live in Newcastle here, that will come on and say, your social media stuff seems to have taken a step up. 
So they are now getting involved, you know, which they didn't before, because probably it wasn't there before. Is that right, Nathan? That's what I would say. It wasn't there enough before. Yeah, I think there was there was definitely some stuff, but again, it goes back to the the quality point that, that Kev mentioned yeah. there. It's is is it is it worth someone's time engaging with? Is it interesting? Is it is it valuable? And I think that's really <clears> what I've noticed over the last few months. The, the 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 thought behind it has increased significantly, and as such, the the quality and purpose is really really there. And again, but I think you've got to give credit to the the board who who were in place before I joined. They set out a stall and a purpose, so at least we all know where we're going then it's easy to sell that and, and to drive behind that campaign. If there's no purpose and there's no end goal, it's very difficult to come up with content or engaging conversations because it's all a bit scattergun. So having, mm. having a clear purpose and a vision for, for the club, which you both mentioned already, is seemingly well understood by everybody now. It's all just getting behind it. And how can we help promote that message? And again, to tie this back to the ambassador thing, that's exactly what you guys have been helping us do. It's helping raise the profile of that of that kind of mission and that statement and then helping us bring people on that journey. And I guess my role is a little bit different in comparison with Eric's. You know, Eric obviously is very well known in the community uh, through his playing and managerial exploits and having been around the club most of his life. I'm obviously coming at it from a different angle. And if I can help in a small way on the international side, um, you know, whether it's through social media, whether it's through other contacts, you just never know. You never know when you bump into somebody who, um, you know, who might have an interest in, in getting involved. And, you know, it could be, you know, next week, next month, next year. But it's, it's one of these things just to keep an eye on as we go forward. But in any event, we'll be at the Oscars in 2022 to pick That's up it. a prize for that movie, right? <laughs> Get ready, boys. <laughs> Uh, Derek, it would be great if you could come to a game. There's no question. And I know that will be a, a massive challenge for you, mate. Um, but it would be fantastic to see you. Um, we, 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 will, we will make that happen, Eric. I, I can guarantee it, it will. I would love to. I would really love to just, you know, to be able to enjoy the whole experience. Because normally when I go to a game, I'm in work mode and I'm commentating. But in yeah, this yeah, case, yeah. I wouldn't be. I'd be able to really enjoy it and... And, and that's uh, what you do, isn't it? See you. Yeah, yeah, when exactly. You're working, you just enjoy it. Just, just enjoy it, yeah. And, it's a free day. It's a free day. You just get in there and enjoy <laughs> it. It's just like, it's like, it's like, like being a kid again, you know? It's like being a, being a child again. <laughs> football. You better make it quick, Derek, because I might be sacked by then, so... <laughs> keep, keep, keep him on board, Nathan. Make sure he's still in a job by the time I come over. <laughs> I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining. Great. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Nathan. Good Until, to see you, everybody. Thanks, Take Kevin. care. Great. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Letter BRC podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode today, please share it with your friends, family members, or followers. And we hope you have a great week. We'll see you soon.